to the church. Now, I don't think that's just City Temple, because you guys are perfect, Uh, but I think it's what the Holy Spirit is saying to the church at large, perhaps in the West, but I think it's more than the West. I think it's what the Holy Spirit is saying to the global church uh, in these days, Uh, but here particularly it's going to be for the West. I, I think the message today is for the West. And you know, as, as I said uh, when I first introduced this series, I almost didn't do it when I, I heard the Lord speak it because it's so cliched. Uh, and then immediately the Lord told me these five things, uh, and that's formed the basis of uh, the weeks so far. Uh, before I start to share, let's pray. Gracious God, thank you that we can gather in your presence. Thank you for your word. Thank you that you are a God who does speak to your people not only through leaders like myself, but through others. Uh, And you like to speak to us individually. And I thank you for all of that, Lord, all that diversity of the ways that you speak. Thank you that your words are gracious and kind, uh, that uh, even if you say something that's strong, uh, that challenges us, it's always covered with grace. Uh, And I love that about you, Father. I love everything about you, Father, but I, I really love that about you as well. Uh, So, Father, I pray that by your Spirit, you'd speak in me and through me tonight, uh, that again, the things that I share might be from you, your heart, to your people, in the power of your Holy Spirit, to the glory and honor of Jesus. We love you and we praise you, and we pray all this in Christ's name. Amen. Amen. I want to read from uh, Hebrews. I'm going to start the last couple of verses of chapter 11 and then read into the third verse of chapter 12. Uh, If you know me, uh, you know that these are some of my absolute favorite verses in all of the scriptures. Uh, I feel like I could preach almost every single week on these. So they do tend to come up from time to time. But uh, I'm going to start with verse 39 of chapter 11 and read down to verse 3. In chapter 11, the writer to the Hebrews is talking about all of these heroes of the faith that have been around uh, for hundreds of years, that everybody would know about. Uh, He's listing them one after another, beginning with uh, Abraham and others and and talking about them and and all that they've done and how some were uh, executed and uh, and martyred uh, and many were nameless and and on and on. Uh, And so we get into kind of a summary statement here. And all these, though commended through their faith, did not receive what was promised. In other words, uh, they were promised things like the kingdom. I mean, Abraham was promised that his descendants would be as numerous as the sand on the seashore. That didn't happen during his lifetime. He lived believing it, but he died with two sons. And one, uh, you know, uh, one was Isaac and one was Ishmael. Um, and so, uh, uh, so that's what he's talking about here. Uh, though commended through their faith, did not receive what was promised, since God had promised something better for us, that apart from us, they should not be made perfect. In other words, all of these promises that God has given have been uh, growing, building, uh, until they would culminate in the coming of Jesus Christ and the founding of the church and the blessing that we all experience. So I'll continue on that apart from us, they should not be made perfect. In other words, that apart from us, it doesn't mean that their salvation depends on us. What it means is that 
all of the promises, everything that God had said was going to be fulfilled. That word made perfect, it means to be made complete, to complete, to finish the job. When you finish a book, if you're writing a book, you finish the book, you've just made the book perfect. You've completed the book. That's the kind of the idea here. So apart from us, they would not be completed. They would not be made perfect. All of the promises would not be fulfilled. In other words, God is gathering all of his people together and all these promises are culminating, are are growing together and they'll culminate in the revelation of Jesus Christ. Uh, So that apart from us, therefore, they should not be made perfect. Therefore, verse 12, uh, chapter 12, therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, Let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely um, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured from sinners such hostility against himself, so that you may not grow weary or faint-hearted. May God bless to us this reading from his holy word. So, here's what I think the Holy Spirit is saying this week. The only spectators are dead. Get into the game. The only spectators are dead spectators. So get into the game. Now, we can't be watching from the sidelines. We can't be cheering on the pastor. Go, pastor, go, pastor, go, pastor, go, pastor. Run faster. I mean, you could cheer that for your whole life, and you're not going to get me running any faster. In fact, you won't get me running at all. Uh, You know, if you were dying, maybe. But that's, you know, I'd run to save you. I would. Uh, Or for a hot pastry. But that's about it. Uh, You know, so the only spectators in the Bible are dead spectators. We need to get into the game. Get into the game. That's what the Holy Spirit is saying. So how do you know if you're a spectator? And this is not an invitation for you to judge somebody else. Right? Not an invitation for you to judge somebody else, but we do need to examine ourselves. You know, if the Lord is saying the only spectators are dead, get into the game, then we need to be evaluating ourselves. How do you know if you're a spectator? I'm going to suggest some things. Uh, The list is not exhaustive. It's just suggestive. You could probably add a lot more things to this list. Uh, I'm just trying to explicate the word from the Lord, which I think is reasonably clear. The only spectators are dead, so get into the game. So, how do you know if you're a spectator? Well, spectators come and go as they please. One of the things that always annoyed me at a Cardinals baseball game are all these people that at the... There's nine innings in a baseball game. I'm not going to explain all the rules to you. Uh, There's nine innings in a baseball game. uh, And, you know, there'll be a lot of spectators that would leave uh, after eight innings. You know, they'd leave early or they'd come late. You know, and those things always annoyed me. I mean, for me, baseball is kind of, uh, it's a ritual. It's not like church quite, but, you know, 
you got to get there early. You got to make sure you got your hot dog and your peanuts and, and your licorice uh, and all your other snacks, and they have to be properly arrayed. You got to be there early enough to chat with the people around you. Uh, you usually go with a friend and you talk with them, uh, and then you make new friends in the seats around you, uh, and you do that. And then the game starts, and you watch the game, and you're there to the bitter end. If your team loses, well, it's too bad. You stay to watch them lose, and you cheer them, even though they've lost. You say, hey, that's okay, guys. You know, there's 162 games in a season, which is true. Uh, so, hey, you'll get them next time, which probably they will. I mean, you got to do that. Uh, and it always drove me crazy to see people coming and going. They come at the second inning, uh, and they leave after the seventh inning. Uh, and I'm like, come on, people. Uh, it drives me crazy. But that's why you know a spectator. Because I tell you one thing about a baseball player or a footballer. I mean, you don't, you don't see a footballer saying, hey, old coach, it's halftime. Uh, actually, I, I've got to go get my toenails worked on. I mean, it doesn't happen. The players stay to the end of the game. Even the guys sitting on the bench who don't even get to play. I mean, they're, they're kind of, you know, pretending to play on the sidelines. They stay to the end of the game. They don't come and go as they please. Only spectators do that. The second thing about spectators is that they seek entertainment by watching. You know, that's spectators. I mean, in tennis, you always know the spectators because the spectators are the people going. Back and forth the whole time. They're just watching the ball, watching the ball back and forth. You know, and so, so they're watching. They, they get their entertainment simply by watching, not by playing. Uh, sometimes we'll play around at it, but, you know, most of the time we do it by watching. Now, actually, I've got a friend, Josh Kane. Many of you know Josh. Uh, with regard to Christianity, he calls that pornographic spirituality, where you get your pleasure, your spiritual pleasure, by watching other people do the thing. Uh, not good, not good. Spectators seek their entertainment by watching. Spectators pay their fee, pay their money, and expect to get their money's worth. So if you're a spectator, you're paying for money. You're saying, I'm paying for that seat. I'm paying for the privilege of being here. I'm paying for the privilege of watching it. You know, it's my right to get, you know, what I've paid for because that's what I'm giving my money for. Spectators, building on that, they, they focus on their rights instead of their obligations. You know, if, you, if you're a spectator, uh, there, there's a great thing in, uh, in baseball, a great tradition, at the, the halfway point of the seventh inning. They call it the seventh inning stretch. Uh, the, the rumor was that Calvin Coolidge, the president of the United States at the time, he loved baseball, he went to the game, but at that point in time, after the, seven, uh, the, the halfway mark in the seventh inning, he was tired, and so he would get up and stretch while the players, you know, changed the field. Uh, and so the tradition is everybody stands up and then they have a silly song called Take Me Out to the Ball Game. Take me out with the crowd. Buy me some peanuts and Cracker Jack. I don't care if I ever get back. Uh, and I won't sing the whole thing for you. But, you know, uh, it, you can tell the spectators, you know, that some of them are you know, singing, some of them are not. Uh, some of them, you know, are, are looking, eating their popcorn, looking at their phone during that time. It's part of the ritual. It's part of the tradition. But spectators, you know, it's okay. 
it's my right not to participate. Uh, but when it comes to singing the national anthem, you know, you can have spectators that don't participate, but I tell you what, every one of those players are participating in some way. And that's the expectation. If you're, if you're a player, you have obligations that you have to fulfill in the game. You, you, can't, just, you, you can't just focus on your right. Uh, spectators also, they don't usually get fully involved. They keep their options open. Now, this is how you can tell I'm a football spectator as opposed to a football fan. Okay? I have changed my team allegiance several times since I've lived in the UK. I, 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 hate, to, I hate to say it. I'm, I'm sorry to say it. Uh, well, not too sorry. Uh, I don't always go with the winning side, you know. I've, I supported Arsenal for a lot of years. Uh, I also, uh, you know, Richard Evans, our first administrator here, uh, he was a big fan of Ip, Ipswich Town, uh, the Tractor Boys. You know, who knows the Tractor Boys? You know, uh, Alan Rogers, our church secretary for a number of years, uh, he was a big fan of Norwich. Uh, and the, what are the Canaries up there in Norwich? Uh, the Canaries. Uh, and, you know, I've got a lot of people who are diehard Man United fans. Uh, a lot of them I know. That, and so I decided a couple of years ago, I'm going to support Liverpool just to spite them. Uh, so uh, I've never seen the kind of animosity that I've seen with Man U fans against Liverpool fans. I mean, I, I was in a taxi one time. I thought the taxi driver was going to open the door and kick us out uh, while the taxi was rolling you know, because we mentioned Man U in his taxi. I mean, we just mentioned the team name, and it's like a plah, bile was coming out of him. Uh, and so that tells you that I'm a spectator. You know, I'm not really, really that deep into the fan. I certainly am not a player, um, you know. And, and so you, you see that. Spectators, they just keep their options open. They don't really want to make a big commitment. They don't get fully involved. Uh, another thing about spectators, and let's change the tone a bit. Many times spectators don't think they have what it takes to compete. And most of the time, they're right. Uh, I don't think I have what it takes to be a baseball player or a footballer. Although I would love to do that. Obviously, if I'm not running, you know, that kind of takes me out of football and baseball um, together. Uh, simultaneously. Um, and, but, you know, there are a lot of people out there when it comes to Jesus and the church who are spectators because they don't think they have what it takes to compete in the game. Let me tell you, that's a lie. The Bible says clearly, Peter says clearly, Second Peter chapter 1, God has given us everything we need for life and godliness. You have everything you need in Christ Jesus to be a participant in the game to get into the game, not just be a spectator. Uh, and sometimes, on the other side of things, sometimes spectators think they can do it better. They're kind of proud. They're arrogant. So they don't get involved because they just think they assume that they can do it better. In American football, which is not anything like real football, because real football, the football is round. American football, it's like weird shape. And you think, that doesn't look like a football. It looks like a weird-shaped thing that nobody can play with. What's the deal? 
but in American football, you have a, a position called the quarterback. And the quarterback is the one who calls the plays on the field. Uh, he's kind of like the team leader. Um, and we have a phenomena in American football. It's called armchair quarterback, where you're at home, you're sitting in your armchair, you're being a lovely spectator, and you're yelling at the screen as if the quarterback can actually hear you to say, call an end run. Oh, go deep for the pass. Go bore for the pass. And you're screaming and, and, and the quarterback doesn't do what you, you tell him to do because obviously he can't hear you and you're not the coach. Uh, but he doesn't do what you tell him to do. And then you cuss him out because he fumbles the ball or they decide the team loses or something like that. That's armchair quarterback. And you know, frankly, there are a lot of people who call themselves Christians who are nothing more than armchair quarterbacks. You know, they're just sitting comfortably, uh, calling out, telling the elders, telling the pastor, telling the worship team, telling other people in the church what they could do better, how they could improve, but they never lift a finger to help out. These are all signs. If that's true, if any of these things are true of you, then you're probably a spectator and you need to repent. And you need to say, put me in, coach. Get me into the game. I need to be in the game. In whatever way you want. You know, if you want me just to carry the water, you know, be the water boy for the guys that are having to work extra hard, then I'll be the water boy. But put me in the game. Get me in the game. Make me the substitute. You know, we're in extra time. Just put me in the last 30 seconds. Just get me in the game. I want to get my foot on the ball. I want to run on the field. I want to be with the other players. Do whatever it takes to get me in the game. So how do you know if you're in the game? How can you identify those people who are in the game? Well, people who are in the game think of themselves as part of the team. You know you're in the game when you feel like, hey, I'm part of this team. I'm part of this church. I'm part of what God is doing here. I may not think of myself as a big part, but I know that I am part of this team. Also, players, people who are in the game, they seek to contribute to the team effort. They will do anything they can to help the team. It doesn't matter if they get the credit. It doesn't matter if they get the glory. What happens is they want the team to win. Do you know, in baseball, we have the thing called the World Series, which is going on now, Tampa Bay Rays uh, playing the Los Angeles Dodgers. I'm hoping for Tampa Bay to win uh, just because the Dodgers spend too much money. They're kind of like Man U a number of years ago where they felt like they were buying the championship. Uh, so anyway, uh, that's another story altogether. But uh, at the end of the World Series, the team that wins will get a ring. It's called the World Series ring. If you are a member of the team, even if you did not play the entire World Series, you get the ring. Even if you, were had, you had one at bat and you struck out, it means you didn't do anything. You just got out, and that was your one shot, and you failed. You still get the World Series ring. We contribute to the team effort because we all experience the team blessing. And we know that. They know that. We seek the success of the team because we know if the team succeeds, we all succeed. And that's certainly true of the church. 
Another way you can tell of people who are in the game, they train well. They train well. If you're going to be a footballer, you're running. You're running up and down. You're playing with that football. You're doing all kinds of things. You're honing your skills. Well, we do that as Christians. It's called spiritual disciplines, where we read the Bible, we study the Bible, we pray, we worship, we fellowship with other Christians. Uh, that's part of our training. And you won't be ready to play the game unless you're engaged in some kind of training. So people who are in the game, they will train well. Also, people who are in the game will get rid of those things which hinder their performance. That's a bit of what uh, the writer to Hebrews was talking about here. Lay aside every weight and the sin that clings so closely. Get rid of anything that keeps you from performing, that keeps you from getting into the game. Eliminate all of those hindrances. People who are in the game, who are really in the game, will follow the coach and the team captain. They'll do what the coach says. They'll do what the team captain or the quarterback says to do. They will put in the effort it takes to succeed. People who are in the game. Uh, they are willing to suffer for the benefit of the sport and for their team. Now, one of the reasons why I don't run, and you guys know, is because it hurts. I don't like pain. I feel like I've got enough of pain a lot of times. And I know everybody who runs tells me, well, it only is uncomfortable and miserable for the first couple minutes, and then it gets better. And I'm like, well, you know, you're crazy people. Why would I want to hurt for a couple minutes when I don't actually have to? Uh, there are other things, you know, that I do that, that cause pain. But, you know, if you're in the game, you're willing to suffer. You're willing to do what it takes, uh, even if it's painful. And people who are in the game will always actively seek out their role on the team and seek to excel in that role. Everybody has a role on the team. And I don't always know what everybody's role is, but God will tell you what your role is if you will ask him if you want to be in the game. Now, you may not like that role. It might not be the best role to start with. You might be the backup to the backup to the backup, but that's okay. You start where God places you, and as you continue as part of the team, God himself promotes you. So these are ways to, for you to discern are you a participant or are you a spectator? But the Holy Spirit is saying the only spectators are dead. Get into the game. Let's pray. Gracious God, thank you so much for your word, for the truth of your word. I pray that this is an encouragement and challenge uh, to your people. Now, Father, I pray that you'd continue to move with us, to speak to us, <clears throat> to guide us as we listen to your voice, as we have a couple of times of prayer. Uh, just continue to go with us by your spirit. Lead us. Be our coach. Be our captain here. Lead us through this time. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.